<laughs> Tom Bernard Show with special guest. Uh, Frank Caliendo, is that? You're unbelievable. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I didn't have to make an effort. <laughs> like 30 years of this. I've just been... Tevin Pittman. Catherine Brandt. Brandon Simon. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We'll be right back. Frank Caliendo in studio. I just, by coincidence, your name came up on Friday, and I'll tell you why right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. It's pretty quiet. Oh, you got to play Aretha for me. I don't know if you know it's Frank, but Aretha Franklin is dying. I had heard she wasn't doing well. I didn't know that that was that. Like, it's like imminent, yeah. yeah. Her death is imminent, and I adore her. Yeah. I love Aretha Franklin. Well, you can still love her. The great I thing know. is she's oh, yeah, right. uh, recording quite forever. a bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Not at my house, they don't. Actually, I used to have friends over, like we'd have a party or whatever, and about half my 45s would go missing. I'm like, well, yeah, it's great. Nice friends. <laughs> 45s. We used they to play Beach Boys 45s. <laughs> Beach Boys 45s. Exactly. Some of the stuff we had. We had the my, my grandpa had stuff that we would listen to, like the Battle of Waterloo. Oh, yeah. Waterloo. <laughs> Waterloo. Homer and Jethro, man. I. Is that Homer and Jethro? That was Homer and Jethro. (laughs) What are you? Oh, man, we're losing so many of your listeners right now. (laughs) That was what, Hee Haw? Were they on Hee Haw? 
Uh, I don't know what they were on. I, yeah, I just remember because they sung the Beverly Hillbillies theme. Oh, yeah. Story about a man and my, named Jay and, and, yeah. a poor mountaineer to get the family. I think it's great, by the way, that you guys have this, uh, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you, got, you got Hillary oh, and Trump right there looking at you, too. <laughs> no, that. I can't believe they made the move. They, they actually usually, made the move. <laughs> they usually point Jesus at me because they think I need oh, him the most. I didn't, no, I didn't know that was Jesus. Oh, you actually thought that was Brandon? I actually thought it was. A lot of people get Jesus. bobbleheads and stuff. <laughs> like you don't have Lewis Lee in here somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah Lewis Lee's in here somewhere. He, Lewis Lee's always oh, in here. Here I am. We have a Louis Anderson bobblehead somewhere. He yeah, said it's a collector's it. item. No, my, my mother I remember, had one. Yeah, he gave one to her, and I think he gave one to the kids. I think we still have it somewhere. I mentioned it to him. I said, we were, I was cleaning out a closet. I found your bobblehead. He said, that's a collector's item. That's not his, his mom right there saying that. My right? mother, honest to God, had about, what, 50 statues of angels. She's an ardent Roman Catholic. My mother was as Roman Catholic as they get, right? Yes. So she, she had like 50 angel statues. She had a little altar, yeah, with angels. And the greater part of it is she had Louis Anderson, who gave her a bobblehead, <laughs> and Tim Pawlenty, who gave her a bobblehead, a bobblehead. But because he was Republican, she would have never voted for him. She only voted Democrat. So she had his bobblehead, but she wouldn't vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, she's nonpartisan that way. Yeah, she was really nonpartisan. There's no question about that. <laughs> There's no getting around that. Frank Caliendo in studio, ladies and gentlemen. So you're at, you're at Acme. Oh, man, you're doing a lot of shows. Well, yeah, t- the shows tonight and tomorrow are sold out. And then next week, or two weeks from now, I'm coming back. Uh, and then the Tuesday night's already sold out. And then we put one final show on sale for the Monday. So Monday, the 27th. 7th, yeah. The 27th has like 100 tickets left. Yeah, maybe. So uh, yeah, Hurry, hurry, hurry. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one's... Uh, you gotta get them if, now if you if you want. So do I get to be Donald Rickles here? Yeah, it's Frank Caliendo. I'm popular. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the thing, of, uh, Don Rickles too. The thing about uh, him, it, breathe out on the punchline too. I'm popular. Because <laughs> <laughs> you always knew that would uh, that would signify that that was the point for you to laugh. I I watched. I watch that, especially in, like, late-night hosts. I don't see it as much anymore. But all the way even back to Jack Parr, um, Carson, Letterman, they all had this tip. Uh, Bill uh, Bill Maher does it as well. Step forward and punchline. Well, it's a lot more formulaic on uh, that kind of thing now. They all have a very strict formula because they figured out the minimum amount of time between laughs, basically. Right. Well, it's a tell. I mean, too, like in poker, it would be a tell, yeah. but you you want the tell in comedy because you're. Jit Leno would bobble the head he when it was. Yeah. Time. So it's just it's interesting to watch those uh, things that people do. And then, Leno was actually, you know, good. That's the difference. Hey, what's your opinion, Andy? <laughs> I think Johnny Carson had the best delivery when it came to punchlines. You could tell when it was coming because he'd kind of turn his head back and forth, oh, and yeah. have his hands well, in you, his pockets. You and... rooted for him to bomb. You wanted it to not go well. You'd, I'd rather see a Johnny Carson joke that didn't work and see him try and work his way out of it. Oh, mm-hmm. phenomenal! I don't see that. I don't see that in. 
And I don't watch much late night TV, but it seems like all the jokes are designed to work now. Right. Mm-hmm. And his, yeah, true. as much as they probably wanted them to work, I really didn't want them to. Just to see him, you know, do yeah. the, <laughs> yeah, do the chicken lot. head bob thing. <laughs> and do, you, do you do much late night television? I haven't done any for a while. I haven't anything to promote, and I don't really. I didn't really want to do any stand up. Right. So. Uh, but here you are doing it. Yeah. Well, I'm working. <laughs> see that I'm working on something completely new. Though. Oh. Like the, well. the the idea behind the show is to tell more stories. If I'm going to do an impression, it's going to be mostly the story about the person meeting mm-hmm. the person, less right. observations, okay. and more stuff about my family. So okay. I've started to. I was worried about it at first too because I, I I've hidden behind these characters the whole time and made the observations. It's always been very logical stuff that I've thought about. And when you're trying to bury your soul, and then I was, it wasn't only worried about telling the stuff. I was worried about my wife finding out the stuff I was talking about <laughs> and hearing, oh, you know, her. And then I, I, and I don't really look at Facebook much, but I eventually looked at her Facebook page and realized she's telling everybody everything anyway. She's, she's, she's telling her, she's telling stuff about. It. Turns out I'm pretty big uh, jackass is what I am I'm oh, finding this out gee, I wonder how if anybody else does that I don't call you jackass I looked at I just her the other day the po- and she got this crabby look on her face and I said what's that your crabby look she goes no it's your it's my your sad and pathetic look <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you thank yeah you so I, I look to Facebook now to see what my wife is actually feeling <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't talk there to me. Go. She's realized I'm a waste of her time. I don't give her likes right. or comments. Right. I don't listen, any of that stuff. So she goes apparently right to Facebook and makes those. And I I tell her, this is stuff I'm working on for the actor. I say, don't, please don't talk about me. Now, I don't care if you talk about me being an idiot or whatever, but don't tell people where I am or show pictures of where we are. Because yeah, yeah, I agree. I like to be able to lie. And tell people, there's a lot of times where I just don't want people to know where I am because I told them, yeah, I can't be there because I have to be at this thing uh, for my kids. Okay. Don't mm. show them us at yeah, uh, yeah, a concert or something right. because now they know how much of a liar I am. But you and everybody else. maybe you went there for your kids. Brought yeah, them along. Yeah, Maybe your kids are big fans of... The you know. opera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Daddy, I want to see the opera. <laughs> yeah, I it's, did. It's, uh, you did? I love opera. Uh, but as a kid? Oh, yeah. I couldn't wait to see opera for my first time. Really? I Those voices, those magnificent voices, it was just... It, it was overwhelming. So me. you... That's interesting to me because... You're a dope, Tom. No, 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 no. Because as a kid, to, see, I didn't even have an appreciation for music until I got older. I know most people do, but to go hear music live is so different. It is, yeah. Than hearing it and to see people performing it live, the 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 synchronization of the instruments, the vocal, oh, and all that. Man. Is you can't believe how much has to happen for it to sound that mm-hmm. good. It's true. When you listen to uh, y- you know to me growing up a, a CD, uh, it-, it didn't see you know they were just like it was there. But yeah. to go see it happen, you're like, wow, this is truly amazing for this to be this good. And you realize how hard it is or oh, how yeah. talented somebody is to make it happen. So. Yeah, Catherine and I was sat in the tenth row and saw Pavarotti. Mm. It was unbelievable how strong his voice was. It was like, we should probably move to the back of the auditorium. Really? Oh, my God, what a voice. 
So I have to tell you, on Friday... Oh, this is... I, I got away from your tease. No, no. You could do whatever you wanted this year. Oh, You've yeah. you me for, what, like 30 years now? Mm-hmm. You can do whatever right, you want. Right, yeah. Um, up to a point. Up to a point. <laughs> on Friday, I was in... Uh, Catherine and I were in Chicago Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, because I was appearing in this uh, panel for radio, morning radio people, and your name came up. And, man, people love you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Who were the people wait, that were talking? Wait to be gracious. Tom Griswold from Bob and Tom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he loves you. Uh, they Paul, had me going out to it. They want me to go. I think I'm going to be able to do it. There's a broadcasting association thing in... Uh, NAB, yeah. Yeah, in Orlando. That's going on yeah, out there. Yeah, they, they said you were already coming. So, uh, well, I believe I am. I, I just, I, the, the reason that I, I didn't know if I was or not was because there are some TV stuff that I have that uh-huh. might happen. So I just have to keep it open a little bit. But yeah, the plan is to go on out there. Yeah, so it was Tom Griswold, Steve Dahl from WLS in Chicago. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, Paul Castronovo from Miami. Yeah. You yeah. Know, Paul's an old friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, a fight almost broke out between Steve Dahl and Paul Castronovo. <laughs> because Castronovo, was, apparently he was on the Steve Dahl show, because we all go on each other's shows and whatever. There, there are only five guys in the country that have been on mornings for over 30 years. Really? And we were all there. Well, Brother Weeze wasn't there from Rochester. I don't know who Brother Weeze oh, is. Oh, you'd like him. He's crazier than hell, but you'd like him. This is Rochester, guy, New York, or Minnesota? New York. Okay. Uh, then the other guy was Lamont from Lamont and Tonelli in San Francisco. Sure, yeah, yeah. Great guys. Yeah. Every one of just nicest guys in the world. And your name came Lamont. Up. Lamont still has. I don't know what his accent is. It's but Canadian. It's, is that yeah, what it is? Canadian. Yeah, it's a Canadian yeah. accent. Oh, okay. What a nice man. All of them really nice people. Yeah. Right? So up there, and your name came up. Man, they just, they admire that. And Tom Griswold actually talked about what you just talked about now, that you're, you're kind of, Turning into a different what what you really want to do. Not that you, before you did. No, I didn't. I I don't think I did. It was really what I wanted to do. It was more of a puppet show type of thing where I was yeah. going up there and putting on a show. Really good though. But what I'm trying to do. You're right again. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I can compliment both of us on that. Exactly. Absolutely. But what I'm trying to do is speak. I, I went to these acting classes. I started learning about acting, and all acting comes from trying. To, to find truth and speak yeah. from truth. Yep. And a, some, most of my act comes from, I guess, truth, but observational truth, not from internal truth and where am I coming from on it. So when I started doing that, I started to get really bored with my act and what I was doing with the impressions. And I was like, okay, can I find something to talk about that I care about in terms of those impressions and then find out what to talk about in my life. And the point of view I'm finding is, and and I'm still developing it, because once you find that point of view as a comic, you can talk from it and make a lot of stuff funny. I mean, how easy is it for Lewis Black to just make something funny? I mean, he can talk. I've always uh, uh, admired people who could just go out and take a normal everyday situation and then turn it into something on stage. I couldn't do that because people were just waiting for the impression thing to oh, happen. you could do it, but they expected something else. I didn't know how to do it. I really, really? didn't. Yeah, because a lot of my act is formulaic, and I could come on and do, 
you know, I could come on and do the Charles Barkley stuff and just d- d- yeah. improvise from there. Kevin smiling <laughs> up a star. That's what I grew up on was the Turducken and Charles Barkley. Right? That's all I really care about. When you hear... But Barkley's, Barkley's one of the people that I cite in this... I, I might have talked to you about this before, but he... What, what he did, and I talk about this in my act as well, what Charles Barkley did was years ago as an NBA player went out and said... I am not a role model. And then he went out there and proved it constantly. (laughs) (laughs) And it was that repetition of proving it over and over and over that built him to be Teflon in that situation. Mm -hmm. He could say basically – because I believe this. I don't think he's an instigator. There are people out there I think that are instigators. He's not. He just says what he really believes and doesn't care what backlash you're going to give him. So another person I've learned that's that's like that too is I, I don't know if you ever watch him, but Jason Whitlock, and a lot of people hate Jason Whitlock. Why do they hate him? He's uh, because he he says a lot of things that uh, he's 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 African American, and he will go against like the mainstream thinking of like he'll talk about kneeling uh, for the national anthem on the other side of it, mm-hmm. uh, and people will come after him. And I've watched him with. Uh, some other people that were very adamantly pro kneeling in the national anthem, and they actually they didn't fight; they just talked, and that's what I thought was great about Jason. And I like him, and I like Colin Cowherd in their show. Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, speak for yourself. Right. But with but going back to Barkley, Barkley does this amazingly well. Um, and he went on TV uh, a few months ago. Golden State Warriors have a player named Draymond Green. Everybody <laughs> hates Draymond Green. Nobody really says that in the broadcasting world. Right. But Charles Barkley comes on, truthful, from what he's really thinking, says, I want to punch Draymond Green in the face. <laughs> and that's even cleaning it up. I think I can say this. He's like, I want to punch Draymond Green's ass in the face. Which <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's anatomically possible, <laughs> what, the, what the ass face punch <laughs> is. Be. You know, is that is that like the uh, it's a hell of an I've known some like is that like the crotch neck chop? I, I don't know. So uh, we but take it, a, a very, like a two minute break here. And uh, come can back I, and yeah, we'll right after. Can I do this? Because I want to. No, you're out. I'm done. No, no, go ahead. <laughs> well, I just want to finish because his apology. What was what I really liked? His apology was even better because you know they it made him great. apologize, yeah. and he said something he could live with, which is what made me love him even more. He's like, I apologize for Draymond Green. For I apologize for. Rec- Recognizing Draymond Green has such a punchable face. <laughs> That's not an apology. That's a cheat code, right? That's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA, start. You got an extra lives. Phenomenal. We'll be right back more with Frank Caliendo tonight and tomorrow night at Acme. Sold out, though. Yeah, but the, and it's, the, it's the 27th and 28th at Acme back here again. Back here. So, yeah. Okay, excellent. But Tuesday sold out. Yeah. So only Monday's available. Yeah, the 27th. Okay, 27th available. <laughs> 27th, there are some tickets. We'll be right back. More with Frank Caliendo right after this. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been to lose weight at Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth with their weight loss plan. I'm down over 77 pounds, and I have one more round to go to shed the rest of my unwanted pounds. Find out how to have success losing weight like I did by attending the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth free informational dinner. It is on Monday, August 20th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. That extra baggage melts away really fast. And one of the best parts is, it's just so easy. I am never, ever hungry. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has educated me on clean eating, and I now know the foods that work for me and the weight gain trigger foods. 
Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth will guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and they can help you, too. Register for the Nutrimost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on August 20th. Call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. If you are a homeowner, you do not want to miss this free event. We are hosting a free seller workshop where we are going to teach you how to net between thirty dollars to $60,000 more on your home sale. Plus, we are going to share our proven systems that will instantly put the control back in your corner. Guarantee yourself the results you deserve when it comes time to sell your house. Our exclusive workshop will be sold out shortly, so call now to secure your free ticket by calling 763-401-SOLD or by visiting sellerworkshop.com. This free seller workshop will be held the week of August 6th. The last workshop sold out very fast, so hurry and call Chris Lindahl Real Estate today to save your free ticket. So call now, 763-401-SOLD, or visit sellerworkshop.com for times, locations, and to secure your free ticket. Okay, you know how it works. Uh, I don't promote people that aren't the real deal or don't do the right thing. This is not a bare bones situation at all and the best part is it's free thank you welcome back to the tevin Pittman show tevin yep. what you got for us today you know today we got guest frank caliendo coming on the show he's gonna be at acme uh today tomorrow coming back august 27th 28th uh, this should be a good hour we got going listen to you big shot <laughs> just, now he's taking over the host acting show. like he knows what he's unbelievable doing. i do all right we're grooming him take over I'm the still, whole thing i still show my that that father's day card to everybody i want you to know that oh yeah that meant okay. a lot to me man it really did look he at him he's gonna me, tear up father, i know Come i will tear up. cry tevin sent me a, a card on father's day from your black son <laughs> why'd you do that <laughs> <laughs> i don't know my father so i figure somebody's got to get the card so, yeah, I, oh so i was just kind of a fill-in for no reason <laughs> He only sent out five. Right. I sent out five. It's more like a question at that point. Like, are you? What you should have done is you should have taken the TP and then put another hump on the bottom and made it TB. Next year. Yeah, that'll be good. Next year. That'll happen. TB, TB, TB squared. That'll be the next thing that happens. But I honestly, I I wanted you to know that, 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 that the panel talked a lot about you and, and Griswold went on and on and on. And he talked about your, your, kind of development of what you you're you're wanting to do now and he was he was very complimentary i will tell you that well there's a weird thing too with that show i was always very stiff on that show stiffer than i have been this is one of the shows where i've always felt uh your show where i could always come in and just talk more i don't think i did that at the beginning but it was you're one of the shows where you would talk to me and get that. I did a lot of bits on Bob. I always felt like it was yeah, it's doing bit, the time and time and time. Show, and yeah. but the, he was very right on the money on this too. When other guests would talk, I would clam up quite a bit. And part of it was I didn't want to jump on their stuff. But other things were I didn't have anything to say in terms of coming from my own mind. I was coming always from the impressions, and I was like, eh, I don't want to just do these same impressions over and over. So I would kind of check out a little bit when other people were talking. And that's one of the things he's brought up to me lately. He said, well, you're really going with the show more. I'm like, well, that's why I'm in here. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not in here just to try and sell tickets. Right. I'm also in here to try and develop – because for me – and because I think radio is a very different – 
world than stand-up comedy. Yeah. It is. Because you bounce things off of people. Um, it's groupthink. It's mm-hmm. finishing other people's sentences. And it's sometimes getting into a battle. And it's, it's a lot of different things. Stand-up, it's just going through your thoughts all the time. You might argue with yourself a little yeah. bit, but there's not a lot of give and take. And um, doing that on the radio has given me more and the chance to listen. I think it's helping me with acting, too, is to just listen to what people have to say, take it in, and try and figure that out and how to... So, for for example, when I throw out uh, uh, lines that eventually I think will become a bit with you guys, if it's not going somewhere, you might throw it somewhere else. Right. Or you might help me. You might jar something that goes, oh, wait, this has to go this way. So I almost use radio as a way, as a springboard to figure out bits. Not that I people are always – sometimes people are coming up with a line and say, hey, can I use that in the bit? That would be perfect. And Usually people are like, yeah. And then the other thing is that sometimes it just goes – makes me go, oh, I was only thinking in one tunnel there. There's a lot of different ways to go. So – it, that's that's where I've been using this stuff, is that, and it's opened up my brain more. I was just doing when I was on stage doing stand up. I was just doing the same stuff over and over and over, and it was just working so well. well. I didn't see that. I didn't see that at all. Well, when was the last time you saw me, though? I mean, it, there were little bits of changes, but there weren't a ton. Right now, even though there's a few, when I get into the voice stuff, there's there's probably I, I forgot to do. I was in Omaha last night. I forgot to do. In the main part of the show, because at the end I asked people if they want me to do some person. I forgot to do Charles Barkley. I forgot to do <laughs> Al Pacino. I forgot. I didn't do any to. George W. Bush. I didn't do any uh, Barack Obama. No Bill Clinton. Those uh, two years ago, those were probably thirty percent of the show. Mm-hmm. You know, even talking about. But when a president isn't president anymore and hasn't been for quite a while, right? They're not. They just aren't. Um, Nobody cares anymore. Start really. doing Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> See what kind of reaction you get. I got a big Spiro Agnew. <laughs> do people let you hear it after the show if you don't do the impression that they? Uh, no, because I to give do? them the opportunity to, to yell it out okay. there. Uh, because I people had done that before. Yeah. I'd get the tweets and people like, "Why didn't you do this?" I'm like, "Just say right. something." Right. And then I'm doing full on meet and greets after the shows. Yeah. So it's like basically that's for that's like a lap dance for people. So they get to come out there <laughs> and they get their individual sure. moment. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I talked – this actually worked last night. I've never been able to make it work on stage, but I've, I, I've made it work talking on the air with people. As I don't, I don't mind somebody – it's always cool when somebody says, hey, you know, they want some uh, the Madden thing or something like that. They don't even ask anymore. They just go, do some John Madden. Do some John Madden. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I think that's social media. It's just, do John Madden. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. So yeah. that's what I give them. <laughs> um, but it's when people people get I always get I fall into this trap and the trap is somebody will come up to me and say you know this or that impression is really great I love it when you do it and I'm thinking you love it when I do Yoda and the, <laughs> anybody can do Yoda but that I don't even get that out because they start doing theirs oh, right? <laughs> You got me. Now I gotta listen to two minutes of your Yoda impression. That's not really that good. But you're a nice person. But you're auditioning for me on American Impression Idol. So, well, I would tell you this though, and I'm very, very serious, and I've always said this about you: nobody outworks you. No one. 
depends on what the level what you're talking about at the because in terms of uh, doing press and radio and stuff like that, I, I agree with you. For the long, I did get stagnant with that for a while too. I got real lazy, but not with me. Uh, no, but I, 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 you're not everybody. I thought um, you were gonna say you're not anybody. <laughs> I, you know, not. A, I don't always say what I mean. So <laughs> exactly, I've learned exactly. that in acting Precisely. too. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, and now that's part of what this tour is. That's why I'm going. I'm, I am doing two nights at Acme in two different times. But most of the shows are doing one or two shows each night in a single city and then moving yeah. on. Because yeah. I didn't want to look at the same back of a club for two nights through five shows. Because I thought, you know what, I'm just going to end up getting stagnant here. What I didn't yeah. calculate in this is the traveling from each place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what takes the toll. It's tough. So from here, we'll go to Fairfield, Iowa. That's five. We're just going to drive there. It's five and a half hours away. Mm-hmm. So that's either going to be two hours one night and three hours the next day uh, after do the Acme show or just go five hours that next day. And mm-hmm. that just takes something out of you. It does. You just, you Why just, don't you just take your jet? Well, because I'm working clubs, <laughs> and I don't have a jet. I would, I would, I would, uh, I would don't charter a plane. Don't you have friends that have jets? Uh, you know what? I, do, I don't. I'm trying to think if I do have any, but even that, you know, a jet, when you're working clubs, the amount of money you can make isn't going to make that no. work unless you did work a weekend. Like right. some of these, uh. some people can make a crazy, I make a, I can make a really good money, uh, even in Hollywood money on a weekend, but sure. some people can make a hundred Two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in a oh. week, and not in a club, but a couple of big theaters. There, you know, there are people that make a million dollars a night if they do a stadium kind God. of thing. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. you take that there, and part of it was this was to get back on the road and make myself work, mm-hmm. and that was kind of mm-hmm. getting because uh, you know when you do when you do take the cushy travel stuff, it's you know you start you don't have the stupid stuff happening to you and. Uh, right. You know, like the other day, I, had a, I returned a rental car, and six days later, <laughs> they're asking me, uh, "Are you going to return it?" I'm like, "What? What? what? Now that's going to be a bit eventually." Like, I, I, apparently, I bought a Kia Sorento, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm still paying on it daily, daily at yeah. sixty bucks a day uh, because there was some event going on. I, I'd returned it. The uh, the the little the the portable kiosk the the mm-hmm. the woman had didn't work and I was like don't worry about it why would I need a receipt for a rental car <laughs> oh, and I get that phone call oh. I'm like what and I didn't I didn't pick it up at the airport this was in Indianapolis this was to go to the Bob and Tom show so it oh, was okay. I picked it up outside I picked it up near the the hotel and the ping pong club and uh, yeah I got a ping pong club mm. I play it there yeah, that's great <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And then I dropped it off at the airport. So she must not have understood how to fig- figure that out. But I, I had a, I had a receipt from the gas station on airport grounds. Like who refuels there because it's more expensive yeah, there. Right, exactly. And I returned it that day, and I'm like, "Don't you guys have security footage? You are at an <laughs> airport. That'd be good. A rental car, be good. a company on airport." I'm pretty sure somebody's got some footage of me pulling yeah, in. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but they eventually they said that like five days later we found the car. Oh, thank we, God! You found the car. We found that's eleven the car. days after I turned it in. Oh, that's. God. But that's that kind of stuff only can happen if you're out there. That's true. That was one of those stories. Yeah. So that was one of those stories, and one of the things that didn't even register with me years ago. I was. 
It was in a green room. This was the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California. And it was Gary Shandling, um, Jay Leno, Roseanne. And oh it was surreal. Don't bring that up in front of Ted. That's still a sensitive topic. <laughs> He's still hating on yeah. our Twitter account. Yeah, I have to hate Twitter once a day to make myself feel good. <laughs> well, yeah, she's nuts, you know, too, right? Oh, yeah, she's, yeah, she's crazy. I mean, that's she's she's insane, and she's been diagnosed. I'm not defending her here because I, I I don't. It sounds like it. It's you know, I know. I know, but let me get all the way through it. Don't don't tweet back at me yet. This isn't 140 characters. I get the whole thing. I'm not defending her because I don't know her that well. I just know I listen to people who've talked around uh, uh, being around her. But they they I, I, this is this is kind of my point. She's been diagnosed and been on TV. And said that she has multiple personalities. Yep. She's a she's certifiably yep. crazy. She yeah, might have right. a racist person inside of her that I comes do. out I mean, to yeah. tweet. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't get the card. Uh, no. <laughs> um, but again, I'm not defending. I'm just saying let's find out the whole situation here right. because yeah. there are a lot of people that said she used to be the most, uh, you know, in, inclusive. A person and care about everybody. Although right. I, she was, I understand, pretty big tyrant on the set. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I just, I don't even know what, I don't know what's, I don't know what's real anymore. I don't know what's fake. And I think everything comes from people's different points of view. Sure. I, I feel like if she truly is mentally ill, then I almost feel like you kind of have to factor that in. Oh, yeah. You, you just have to. Give her, I think, I a little mean, bit if of you're going to, yeah, if you're going to say we need to be, kind and generous to all people then certainly mentally ill people we need to do the same thing not that what she did was right but it just i think well that's the problem the problem is with social media if one of your personalities gets a hold of it you can be in a lot of trouble right right? like you shouldn't be you you should have people around you probably that tell you stay off of this don't even have it right Mm -hmm. because especially if you have multiple personalities And one of them gets, maybe, or they have their own accounts. Right. <laughs> yeah. And you have, uh, you have a different finger for each account, <laughs> yeah, and you have right. fingers later. <laughs> you know, the most terrifying thing about that for me was Valerie Jarrett is the woman's name. And somebody asked her about Valerie Jarrett, and she went just like this. I thought she was white! Right. Oh, God, that was really frightening. Yeah. Like, ooh. Yeah. But... I, I, again, I don't want to defend this because I don't find. No, no, it. I understand. I, I just see, you have to be care. You have to be so careful in this world now of what you say. If you say something to a, a white person, you have to be careful that you know what the history is behind any person of color and what some kind right. of uh, that somebody. I look at every tweet that I have ever that I've sent out, and I go. Okay, I'm not sending out, obviously, a racist tweet or a sexist tweet, something like that. I go, could this be seen if somebody reads this the wrong way? Mm-hmm. There, isn't really, there isn't a way to read Roseanne's tweets yeah. wrong. No. <laughs> no. I'm not no. saying But if I said something that somebody said, oh, no, I'm going to get backlash on this because they're going to say, are you saying a woman can't do that? 
Like, no, yeah. I, no, I'm just, I'm thinking in. I'm not going to say. No, but it's here we go. The why white men are out. Well, that's why I love. I love to do that to my daughter. I like. I'll be like, because she's she's 12. She just turned 12. Like girls can't do that. And she's like, I'll show you. Yeah. Like, I like to teach her that right. there's going to be people that are going to say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she gets this feisty. I'm like, that's it. Go get them. You, you they can't stop you. Does you can do anything. Does she at 12 years of age think that you're like pretty stupid? She's getting that she likes me more than my son does. Okay. Um, <laughs> How old's your son? 12, he's 13. 14. He just oh. turned 14. Uh, okay. and yeah. he doesn't That's when need, he started hating me. Yeah, he doesn't need my... <laughs> oh. Teenagers hate everything. Well, he, do, he really does hate everything. And yeah. here's, the di- here's the thing. I, I'm loving it because he's, he, when my wife says something that I believe to be ridiculous, I don't talk. But he can't stop himself, so he says everything that I'm thinking, Uh-oh. and it's, I just watch him get in trouble. And secretly, I'm high fiving myself, and I tell him later, just "Keep doing that, buddy. That's awesome. That's great." So, Mom got mad at me. I'm like, "No, but she still loves you. She can stop loving me. She can't stop loving you. It's forever with you." But because he thinks the same way I do on a lot of this stuff, and he's just—he's a logical straightforward caveman type of guy and he's like <laughs> but every to the point where he's such a teenager he's like can you he doesn't like anything my wife does he's like can you believe this yeah. mom's doing this i'm like relax he's like yeah um, but does she have to breathe yes, yes. <laughs> that's part yes, of being a, a human that's life form they can't wow carbon-based being yes you know that he's like no but it just bothers me <laughs> why because she's alive yeah. my my daughter one time i love to sing with the radio and we used to sing when she was little to the radio together right all of a sudden like you know the, that little the hormone switch came on one day and we're i'm, I'm singing in the car she says i'm telling you this if you ever sing again <laughs> When I'm in the car with you, I might have to kill myself. <laughs> I, see, I really love. Let's, I'm like, what? Let's break down. Let's break down. She didn't say she was going to. She said she might oh, yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah, might That's have the to. great part, though. <laughs> that there, yeah, there, uh, there are some, ch- there are some outs. Yeah. For you, she's, like she's giving herself an out that it's not going to happen. She's not. I will uh, kill myself. She said, yeah. I might, I might have, have to, to kill yeah, myself. It's that bad which is like, job. listen, you might. It, it can happen. <laughs> Just know it's going to be on you. And if I'm alive, I'm going to remember it. Oh, it's the greatest. We That's will take a break. Be right back in a couple minutes more with Frank Caliendo right after this Tom Bernard show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. 
Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Uh, oh, there it goes. Buffering? Yeah, my phone is acting up lately. I don't know why. Mine too, but I just restarted it. Yeah, that tends to, to help. That. I love this song. I love Nirvana. I just do. Yeah, it's a shame he's not around. Like, you know, put a shotgun in your mouth and pull a trigger. I was going to ask, whatever happened to him? <laughs> I don't pay attention to music. Whatever happened to Kurt Cobain? I don't know whatever happened to him. Yeah, that's a statement. At all. Um, again, Catherine, you made it. Catherine told a story about you. Again, this is all by coincidence. Told a story about you at the at the convention over the weekend. She said, and we talked about <laughs> the fact that you you do work very hard. And I I told everybody the story about how. Uh, the show started at 3.30 in the morning out in Las Vegas, and I go down to the auditorium. At, uh, Again, the, one of the stupidest things I've ever done. <laughs> oh, it was phenomenal, though. Stupid. It was wonderful. Dumb. So I walked down on stage, and there were 5,000 people attended that show. Huh? It's amazing. But I walked down there, and there's a guy asleep in a chair. And I go, look at him and I was like, that's Frank. So <laughs> Frank wakes up and I said, Frank, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I just wanted to make sure I come in and do this show because you had done the first couple of years. And well, I was, I was, that came from Letterman, right? Was yep. that, that was the year I came from Letterman. I flew back because there wasn't a flight to Vegas. So I flew to L.A. and paid for a car service to take me oh my God. to uh, Vegas. And I did it. And I remember, I remember one of the things I remember was coming back. I was so tired. And I was much heavier at the time, and I was I, I was snoring so badly on the bus. <laughs> it was Jurassic Frank, and uh, I remember the guy behind me taps me and goes, "Could you please stop snoring?" I'm like, "I'm sorry, I was just on Letterman. I'm really on my way to being famous." <laughs> but yeah, so he, he he shows up at three o'clock in the morning. He was on Letterman the day before. Flew to Los Angeles, drove out to Las Vegas. Oh, you're one of the hardest we're getting so oh we're getting a who's call that from someone <laughs> yeah that's another <laughs> great feature about the new skype is you can't turn the ringer off no. oh you can't Yay. turn it off at all nope so Catherine said the following she said i will never forget we were at the vegas airport going going back home one time yeah. and you saw frank walking along you looked very tired <laughs> you're pulling your uh your little bag my brother it was my brother wasn't your brother <laughs> I miss your brother by the way oh, that makes one of us <laughs> <laughs> but I said hey Frank and you didn't hear me or ignore me or whatever and she said it was so cool but because when you walked over and said hey Frank he turned around he kind of went oh thank god it's you <laughs> like I don't have to do an interview. Well, no, you called out and that you scurried fast because you thought it was going to be just somebody who wanted to. Right, you wanted kept, you to do you Charles Barkley. So Tom's like, Tom's like, Frank, Frank, it's time. You turn around. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, one I don't know if it's one I don't know. Because like, a lot of times people do this thing. That's because I just have really short legs. 
people do this thing, but they they try to see if it's me. They'll be like, Frank. and it sounds enough like Frank, but they don't. They think they're gonna get they don't caught commit, saying yeah. Frank, so they're yeah. like Frank. <laughs> and then if I look, they're like, "Are you um Frank?" <laughs> Uh, no, John. No, I'm not John Madden. No. You're not. No, you didn't. You don't even look anything like John Madden. I got to be honest. With you. No, yeah. but they, no, that's people will call me John Caliendo. I've had that too. John Caliendo. Yeah, John mm-hmm. Caliendo. Because they get it mixed up. John Madden, Frank yeah. Caliendo. Oh my God. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of weird stuff. And do you have a caller? Well, apparently, we do. Who is it? Hello. Hello. This is Tony Price calling from the road because I wanted to meet Frank Caliendo. Oh, see, there you go. You got pulled over whether you wanted to or not. You're, where, are you, where are, you, are you in Utah? Uh, no, I'm done with Utah. I got through that fire, and uh, oh, I'm actually good. in Oregon right now, but I'll be crossing Idaho and entering Montana today. Well, that's very, very good. Tony so, Price. Is so there. I've been listening to you guys talk about bad travel, so I, <laughs> bad travel experiences. So I thought I'd just call and give you an update. And meet Frank Caliendo. I meet Frank Kelly and no. Nice of you to be there, Frank, when I'm not there. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's on a gold star ride. What he's doing is riding a motorcycle across how many states? Forty seven states? Well, I think I've hit forty so far. Forty so um, far. Forty. Across eleven thousand miles. You gonna, gone through a set of tires. You gonna do all fifty? Uh, well, as soon as Trump gets that <laughs> dumb question, one, I'll get on it. Um, but Gold Star oh, families are, are families that lost some uh, family member in combat. Right, okay. So he's going around to all the people in oh, the United great. States of America. It's really, really a nice thing. Very cool. See, so you have... Meeting a lot of heroes' families. Yep, yep that's exactly A lot, a lot right. of families of our fallen heroes. See, so some of the people who like you are nice people. Yeah, there's a few. <laughs> there's a few. Yeah, some... I, were you saying that to Frank or me? No, I, I said a nice person. I wasn't talking to either one of you. It's unbelievable. No, but Tony, what? So, so um, we were just talking about Frank's work ethic. He works very, very hard. It takes a lot of a lot of guts, yeah. Frank, to decide. Kind of after all the success you've had over the years, and I still think the writer strike screwed you royally. That was horrible. But um, to decide, you know what? I'm going to try to grow in another direction, which I think is very cool. Yes and no. I mean, I was just – here's the other part. I want to act, mm-hmm. and I can't go anywhere just doing impressions. They no, don't. I suppose not. It's, yeah. Everybody looks at you, and they just want you – you know how many shows I've done a guest spot on where they they rewrite this, the, the, the character for that character to do voices? Really? Everything uh, I do. It's every time I do something. Oh, I, really? And if, when people approach me to do it, they're like, well, we'll write you in, and um, we, 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 we want you to do this. And But now he's going to um, – your Larry character is going to break into Morgan Freeman. No, no, I, no. I don't want to do that. No, yeah. I understand. So that. I've said no to that about ten times, and yeah. uh, then I stopped working. And then that's you what, stop working. So it's like they, that's what they want you to do because they want you to come in. They want to be able to promote that and use it that way. And I'm like, eh. I did the one show twice, actually, for my daughter on Disney Channel, uh, Liv and Maddie. I did that one. I did Steve Byrne's show because he's a friend. Right. Um, and, uh, and Hot Cleveland. That was another one because that was uh, Valerie Bertinelli. And that, oh, that whole story her. was <laughs> – she's so nice. Her she family is. is – She is. So – 
there's this bookstore in Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix area, called Changing Hands Bookstore. Mm-hmm. What it is is you bring your used book, you sell it back to them, and then sell they resell it, and it's almost like a uh, you know, like you do with with uh, school books, kind of a thing. You buy used books. Yeah. It's not, yep. nowhere near as expensive yep. as that. Mm-hmm. So, um, my wife, there was a book signing, and Valerie Bertinelli, who lives part time in Phoenix, was doing a book signing there. We went to see it. My wife is a, also a stalker. I don't know if I mentioned that. <laughs> no, you. No, I've never heard. <laughs> of that so she's before. yeah, she's stalking Anna Nicole Smith, all kinds of stuff. It's like crazy. Um, so. Do they all end up dead? Yeah, most of them do. That's, That's great. Not, not good for Val. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I, we're walking around, and I'm I'm seeing uh, uh, there's this guy just hanging around Valerie, and he's back behind there with the book signing. I'm thinking, well, I wonder if he's with her, the bodyguard, or what. Turns out it's her husband, Tom Vitale. Oh yeah, okay. Well, so Tom, his last name is Vitale. He's from Cleveland. Uh, my wife's name, last name is Vitali. She's well, originally she's from Cleveland. Oh. So uh, I start talking to the guy. Yeah, they well they were trying to figure out if they were. It turns out they weren't. Mm. But he's like, man, you look like uh, Frank Caliendo, and I'm like, it's your lucky day <laughs> <laughs> because I am Frank Caliendo. It's your. What do you have to do with impression. Valerie? Yeah, I go. My best impression is uh, Frank Caliendo. He's like, no, he'd be way taller. And so. Um, so I'm talking to him for a little bit. And I'm, like, I'm like, my wife is a huge fan of Valerie. And he's like, oh, does he want to meet her? Does she want to meet him or meet her? Does she want to meet her? That was two females. And I was like, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So we ended up hanging out with them for a little bit of time and talking. And uh, I ended up becoming decent friends with them. Uh, went over to their house uh, once they'd redone their house in the Hollywood Hill. It's not actually the hills, but it's a hilly area. But here's the great part. So in their in their yard, um, and 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 Valerie Bertinelli and Tom uh, Vitali actually came to our house once, and I, they were not going to come. And Tom's like, they have to. I'm like, oh yeah, you have to, because I just want to tell people that Valerie Bertinelli came to my house. That's <laughs> yeah, that's enough. So he gets. Uh, we're sit, we're sitting in the uh, in their backyard, and it's just it's me, Michelle, and Tom, and that's it because uh, Valerie's out in New York doing a show, and we're just hanging out for a little bit. He gives us a tour of the house they've redone and stuff like that. He goes, well, that right there. He goes, that's uh, that's Bill Shatner's house. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I'm like, this close to Shatner? That, that's awesome. He's like, oh, listen to this voicemail that Billy, William Shatner's Uh-oh. left me. And the Shatner message was just awesome. He goes, hi, Tom. It's Bill, your neighbor. <laughs> like he's got to <laughs> describe who he is. So a couple weeks ago, I'm not, this is like, actually, actually a couple months ago now, Shatner was out doing this tour. And I'd done something on on Mike and Mike in the morning where I did a Shatner with Shatner and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he kind of knew who he was. Apparently, Tom and Val, they used to go over to Shatner's house for Sunday morning football. And they would watch oh, us okay. do the sketches and stuff like that. Oh, so right, right. Shatner knew who I was in terms of that. But so my friend's interviewing William Shatner in this tour that he's doing on stage. And I, I said, I actually know uh, your na- one of your neighbors. Uh, or I, this is actually, I said this to, to him. I said, I've actually seen the back of your house. And Shatner was like, what? <laughs> like, well, let me explain before you think this is a Klingon infestation. Mm. I, like, I was, I'm friends with Tom and Val. You guys know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And uh, we were sitting in their backyard and looking at your, your house. And he goes, I said, Tom wanted me to say, uh, to ask you about 
the golf cart. And the, just Shatner's so awesome. Shatner, I said, he wanted me to ask you about your golf cart. And this is what Shatner goes, he's unbelievable. <laughs> and you could tell how great of an actor he was because the entire situation, you could see him relive it in his eyes mm-hmm. just in the time he went, unbelievable. <laughs> so it turns out they were, he was driving their golf cart around. He wasn't doing it on purpose, but he was doing wheelies on the side. Like Waylon Jennings was like, the Duke boys will turn right after this. You know, It's so crazy. So that was just awesome. But spending an hour with William Shatner... I, I was something I could I'll never forget. And then my buddy John, who it's his radio show, and he was the one who was doing it there. He's like, "Doesn't it suck?" I'm like, "What?" He goes, "This is a month later." He goes, "Cause I just want to go hang out with Bill Shatner again." I'm like, "Absolutely, <laughs> go hanging out." Yeah, how often do you want to just hang out with an 80 year old guy telling stories? That's it was, true. It was awesome. It really was. I have a question <laughs> for you. Aren't you acting when you do voices? I mean, you're thinking like them. Yes, but there's not acting. You actually put yourself into a lot more and use your own experiences. So when you're yeah, that makes sense. When you're acting and reacting, you take from real life stuff, and that's why I think that people look down. Like when Andy, when uh, Jim Carrey did the Andy Kaufman thing, they're like, "That's just an impression." But you watch that movie; that's not just an impression. No, you're No, you're absolutely right. He is engulfed the emotion that everything mm-hmm. is there and most of the time it's not in and people think very old school vaudevillian impression when they think impression they yeah. think they yeah. think you're putting yeah. on the hat over the just top. thinking over the top yeah. uh you know jokey just a line from a movie they're not thinking you're actually interacting and trying to become that person in many ways so yeah i think there's I do think it gets uh, a bad rap in, in some of those terms, but at the same time, I found it's very different, just the acting yeah. and being yourself and not putting on a voice or putting on a face to become the character. It's just you, and you have to act without that stuff. Because most people, when they talk, they aren't doing all this weird stuff with that, their right, face. Right. When you react, you say, what? You just say, what? It's the lower half of your face doing most of it. Your eyes tell you. The eyes tell the other person. But they don't show it with their eyebrows most right, of the time. Right. You hear, you almost hear the thoughts that somebody has, but you don't see it on their face. Bad acting. You watch bad acting. It's somebody going, "I'm thinking right yeah. now." Yeah, <laughs> they're making the "I'm thinking" face. When you're thinking, you're just thinking. You're thinking with a blank face. The times you think the most, you probably have no expression at all. It's interesting because when people see a movie with what they call good acting, it's not – you don't think that this could be, like, really happening. It's like this could just be some guy, you know, doing his thing and they're recording it because you know that it's acting. So is that really good acting? Right. There's a a question of that and there's two schools of thought of – Who's at, who's actually the better actor? The person that looks like the idea is to come in, and you if you watch a real if you watch real people interact, you can tell they're not acting because there's n- nothing ha- there's just nothing happening. So you have to direct things and go a certain way, yeah. and to be able to it's do about that, entertainment. Yeah, you at have the to be able to day. entertain at the same time. But I read I was reading a book I can't remember which one it was about acting. And there was this dog that would bark every time. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm a little mixed up on the story, but the dog essentially what it would it would bark at a certain time. Okay. And what it turned out is the dog would bark 
when people would stop talking like actors and start talking like regular people. <laughs> really? So the dog knew when the acting was going on. That's amazing. Because wow. people talked in a certain way and they yeah. realized we're not acting we're not this isn't good acting because the dog knows <laughs> that this is a That's show true so we have to become more like i like that yeah i the mean the dog got uncomfortable because people were behaving strangely i don't know or was I, it I trained mean, to do that i know it it just happened they huh? couldn't figure out why the dog was barking That's at a certain weird. time and it turned out that when the acting went off or the acting went on, it was one way or the other, that the dog would act a very different way. The dog is like, why are you acting like this all of a sudden? I don't like it. Right. It could tell when people were putting on a show as opposed to when people were just really being themselves. Dogs are great. Yeah. (laughs) They are indeed. We will be back with our... So you you want to stay for a bit? Yeah, I'm staying. I'm staying. Wonderful. It's great having you in. Uh... It's amazing. Oh, Tony. I got, yeah. I got Bye, some... Tony, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll I'm be right back. mesmerized with the storytelling. Great, great storytelling. I'm Frank Caliendo's here. Sold out tonight Frank, tomorrow night. Yeah, we're trying to go to commercial. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> 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 